Coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we're joined by Juha Upi Antikainen, talking about the international growth of Pesapalo. We also look at how the teams are shaping up in the final days towards the postseason and who will be our Players of the Month. That's all coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. Hello and welcome to the August 2020 episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. I'm your host Ian Alba and joining me is my co-host Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing? Good to be here, good to see you. Thanks Ian. Doing great. And of course my other co-host Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how's it going? Hi, all good, all good. Uh, Season is underway and the playoffs are approaching so it's an exciting time of the season. Fantastic. And joining us as well is a very special guest. Indeed, it's Juha Uppi Antikainen. Juha, thank you for coming on to the show. Um, how are you doing? You okay? Oh, very well now. And thank you for having me over here and with uh, distinguished gentlemen. It's <laughs> very kind. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Paspolo going international. Um, but before I, I do, that perhaps some people may not know who you are, Yuha. Could you give us a little bit of a, a background for yourself? Oh, yeah. So uh, Pesapalo has been a part of my life since the uh, fourth grade. So quite young at the 10 years old. And it's a usual, usual uh, road, I think, for Pesapalo. I, th- I played... Uh, a few years, uh, I was dreaming to be a good player, and uh, uh, I wasn't. I played for uh, maybe the most most games in the first division in Ukkospesis, and one uh, one uh, forgettable season in Superpesis. Uh, but uh, after that, I <laughs> I, I found that uh, well, I can coach coach people, and uh, I started to coach uh, first in the men's side and then in, in the women's side, and. Uh, during that time, I also moved to Tampere, and uh, I noticed that there was a this kind of a thing thing uh, starting to grow. Uh, so uh, we started uh, this. Uh, well, we didn't start, but we uh, hopped on a train that was the, just starting to move, called Manse Pepe. And uh, after seven years, uh, we got. Uh, championship in the women's women's side and, and now the men's are playing in super basis and uh, we have one of the largest uh, junior um, well in the mass uh, uh, when we think about the no- numbers of juniors we have a quite good good club and I think uh, when we talk Tampere we can't for uh, we can't forget uh, about the surroundings also because uh, close to Tampere is uh, uh, 
very good clubs in Hämeenkyrö, Ruovesi, uh, Hämeenlinna, Janaka, who has been uh, one part of this story that has grown. So my, my story has linked to all these that first a junior, then a coach, then a club, uh, make, uh, club manager. And now at this moment uh, in this summer, uh, I have been just watching watching Pesapallo. So now I'm working for the Federation and enjoying what else are doing. And one chapter of your your career is um, about growing Pesapallo internationally. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, me and uh, Jussi Pysalo was the first uh, first ones to arrive in this uh, foreign land uh, at uh, this uh, Asian part because uh, Pesapallo has been international for I think uh, for like uh, I've read stories from 1980 when there was uh, yeah. some players in the Swedish championship and they came to the next year to play in the Finnish championship so so there has been a good international Pesapallo around but this uh, this kind of a new growth that has happened in the last five years uh, mostly in Asia Asia part so the, that is where I have been and Jussi have been and uh, uh, lately, Mikko has been a very big part of that also. Well, it's interesting you talk about there already having been that international element. It's never really got off the ground. I know that in 1952 it was um, an exhibition sport for the Helsinki Olympics. Um, one US commentator uh, thought that it was a, this appalling aberration of, of baseball. What what the hell is going on? Uh, but I think one of the problems perhaps was the, the lack of information outside of the Finnish language. Um, what do you think some of the challenges uh, Pespalo faces to growing internationally is? Uh, I think one problem is that we are not too proud of ourselves. Uh, because I think uh, Pesapalo is quite a good game. If, when we th- uh, think about the motoric skills that it is needed, you have to be fast as a Usain Bolt, and you have to throw the throw the ball as fast in baseball and uh, stuff like that. So uh, when we talk about our athletes, we talk about uh, Olympic games, and then we have this kind of game that if you are good in that game, you can be quite a good athlete. So. The lack of the information is that we are quite shy to tell that, hey, we have a great game over here. Um, Miko, what do you what do you think about that? What what are the other kind of challenges? Do you think? Well, first of all, I think that you had just mentioned the key point there because uh, we have an amazing game on our hands. That's that's for sure, and we need to make sure that other people get that same sense the same idea that they get the hang of it they get like 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 i said before there's there's only so many uh like hardcore fans who go through like the vimeo videos like like ron has done like uh, watching mute videos with one camera and stuff like that so it's like that's that's a hardcore route to to reaching the sport but we we just need to make it comprehensible like understandable to people that what we are actually talking about when we talk about this game and then the next step is that is to provide the essentials like uh, the tools physically meaning the equipment and then also the uh, exporting the umpires 
and exporting the coaching uh, knowledge that we already have in the game. I think that those are two out of the three key elements that we need to need to be able to do. And the third one is to get kids to play the sport because that's that's how it grows and that's how we like if you start as a teenager the chances are that i mean you may be interested enough to play later on but if you get the basics when you're a kid and then then we can create some kind of a how should i say it some kind of a culture inside the sport in in different countries and I could uh, add up for that, that uh, if we could uh, build up this kind of uh, uh, dream line. So when we have visited Asia, uh, they are a bit poorer than us. So they have a dream about Europe and uh, uh, playing as a professional. So if I, I'm a Finnish uh, uh, child, I'm dream, dreaming about being a professional in NHL or uh, Premier League uh, in that way. So our super basis is their Premier League or NHL yeah. in that way. So if we can ease up that thing that hey, they, they can visit uh, those junior gaps that we have so they can make it possible in somehow that they can visit Europe, visit Finland, and they, they have the dream about playing over here. And it's a, it's a possible dream. So in that way, they get the passion for the sport more and when they get the passion, they find the knowledge for growth. Absolutely. Uh, what what kind of um, initiatives or, or things have you been involved in, you had to, to grow the game recently? Uh, well, uh, the best part is that uh, actually uh, the Finnish guys has, don't have to do anything to get the game going. Because the uh, first time we uh, it started in that way that... Uh, uh, we got a couple of messages uh, uh, year by year from India that hey come come over here and visit us and tell us about this game that we have been playing since uh, 2010 in India the game and well we were thinking that, hey this is India this is some, some kind of a joke this this can't be happening and maybe after four or five years uh, then we decided that, okay let's visit them let's see what happens and uh when we got to first time in into the kerala southern part of india and uh, we got this kind of a celebration welcome and first time we visited the uh, field it had uh, had uh, 400 players from uh, uh it was probably 16 or 17 different states that they have in india so all over the close to himalaya all the way to the south southern part that they had been done it doing it for like a seven years in that point. So all that without any help from Finnish people. Uh, then they said, hey, okay, if you come over here and uh, tell us something about the game uh, uh, and help them to develop, as Miko said, uh, help the coaches and help the teachers to develop the game. So it will grow the game. And then they had this uh, kind of a familiar uh, friends in Nepal and in Bangladesh also because they are involved in this kind of academy network. So it's already played in schools and they say to Nepal, hey, this is Pesa Paolo, uh, could you play that we could play Nepal versus India or uh, then a little bit later India versus Bangladesh. So actually what we have done 
we have just been visiting over there and telling some points that this is how you uh, how you mark the field and this is how you can coach coach the basic techniques. And I think the uh, biggest part was that when Mikko was uh, visiting there for uh, or for a few months and visited a few places, so uh, that was also a big part of that uh, uh, developing game. But for the motivation, we haven't done anything. They have done it all by themselves. So that's the best part. Well, I think um, one of the, the points that we, we sort of talked about earlier is the game kind of sells itself if you understand what it is. And and so it, it, it's quite interesting to hear that this kind of started to grow naturally. But if we want to, to nurture it internationally, there's, there's more that needs to be done. We, we need to not be so shy about showing this sport. And, and certainly that's one of my aims through, through, through doing this podcast. You talked about the, the Asian um, kind of market. Last year marked a, an interesting celebration of the sport because there was the World Cup in India. Um, Juha, tell us a little bit about how that came about. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, as Mikkel told before, that uh, they have also this kind of um, uh, passion for the Olympic Games and they want to grow up the game. Uh, so... Uh, first, they played this uh, Asian Championship between uh, Nepal, Bangladesh, and India. But they say, said quite early that uh, could it be possible to play the Champion World Cup, uh, World Cup in India? So Yussi was uh, was uh, brave enough to admit those games to the uh, to India. So uh, it was a uh, quite surprise for our. Finnish players because we had quite good players over there because we had the uh, uh, leg- legend Hakkarainen, Kari Hakkarainen from from Sotkamo as a captain of the team. So uh, when we visited first time the uh, official game site when there was uh, cricket players and a little bit of grass and a little bit of mud and a little bit of cows over there and then okay let's play <laughs> let's play championship over here. It was something like uh, going back to the roots. From uh, 1950, 1960 in Finland, but uh, well, but uh, the games were good because the, there was a lot of competition and there was uh, passion and feelings between the countries. Uh, because uh, uh, Switzerland has a quite good team and uh, uh, Nepal, India, Bangladesh—they are all competitive. They want to win, and, yeah. and they are uh, quite good in the. What is for me is the best part in uh, Pesapalo is the hustle. So if you can create a hustle, you're probably going to win. And Asian teams are very good in hustling. <laughs> so there was a lot of moments in, the, in there. Well, the, the 2019 World Cup, um, I'm just looking at the, the medals table here now. Um, Bangladesh women's and mixed teams took the silver. And uh, in the men's, they took the bronze. So, you know, it this thing is is growing and india took the the bronze in uh, in the women's and the mixed so you know they could easily be churning out really great players in years to come uh, in the uh, first round also uh, bangladesh won the finnish uh, mixed team so there was this kind of uh, break, uh, big breaking point in the, that way that the asian team won a uh, finnish team so it was a Again, a small moment, but a great moment. And and Miko, um, you has already 
touched on this, but you, you, you spent some time in Asia at and around the World Cup and, and you actually did some coaching for Bangladesh, didn't you? Yes, I did. I, I spent the last month before the World Cup over there. And uh, just like you have mentioned that uh, we didn't do anything in terms of motivation. And it was like, uh, I would compare it to if you were an artist and if you if you went somewhere else in the world and you would hear your songs being played on completely different versions and like the, that you would recognize that it's the same song but the the whole everything around the song is completely different i i realized immediately that uh okay we need to just for the sake of the game we need to uh, go through some basic things uh, like uh, as in rules and stuff like that because for example we have spoken earlier about the rule of the catch and the moment of the catch and how the runners need to react when there's a catch but i don't i won't go into detail the big thing here is that uh it was just mind-blowing to see that in these kinds of surroundings these people are already uh, doing this thing without getting any like impulse from Finland to start with. Like that, for example, in Bangladesh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about policemen and police women mostly who play professionally. I and not professionally. I mean, they they do patrol on the streets and stuff like that. But they they also practice twice a day. Uh, they play baseball and they play softball. And every now and then, when the baseball season ends, for example, they switch to playing pesapallo. So it's uh, they're already some of the players were very athletically like talented and they're hitting the ball harder than in uh, than the in the neighbor countries and so on so it was yeah it was amazing to see that things like those already exist and uh, just makes you think that what could be we're talking of of what could be um Juha, where do you think that the future lies for trying to grow this game and, and keep the spirit alive internationally uh, well, the next step is that um, first I think uh, Finland has to uh, get serious about this uh, game that it can go international. So we can put effort ourselves to produce material to ease up this uh, this kind of uh, that you don't have to use Google Translator to uh, to get information about this game. So I think. Uh, uh, we have to uh, watch the mirror quite closely, what we do next. Uh, then we have to uh, build up this, uh, this kind of uh, dream lines. It starts with the juniors that uh, we, we have started this kind of um, uh, international exchange of information with uh, Vuokatti and Nepal. So there will be this kind of um, uh, school collabor- collaboration uh, where they firstly exchange information about Pesapalo, what they are doing in Finland, what they are doing in Nepal, hey, can you try this? And we hope that it will end up in this kind of uh, visiting that the uh, team from Nepal will visit Finnish uh, junior, junior camps. And, uh, well, 
we hope that uh, we can uh, also get some players from the adult level to Finland also to visit over here. And uh, hopefully for the next uh, World Cup uh, in uh, 22 in Finland, uh, we could uh, we could get those uh, teams that has have been over there, uh, like uh, India, Nepal, Bangladesh, Switzerland, Australia, uh, Finland. But I hope that we can uh, get back also the teams that has been in the few recent years, like uh, Sweden, USA, uh, Germany, Estonia, so that uh, we can uh, build up those teams and uh, make this kind of an international spirit also. And uh, thirdly, I would like to, to see that uh, we could uh, build up this kind of a platform where, where you could easily uh, contact with the players and the fans together. So uh, the, if you can see your, uh, like your idols easily, uh, you get passion and then the game will again grow. Maybe. Well, it's interesting you, you mentioned that last point, um, because when I started the blog last year, um, I wanted to try and do some pieces on, on some of the players and uh, and look at profiles a little more. Um, and I couldn't really find much information readily available. Everybody was kind of an enigma. Um, and um, I, I did a post um, after... Yonsu won their second championship. Sort of, who are Yonsu and Myla? Who are these players? Um, and it was really hard to get the information. So it'd be great to uh, for people to be able to connect uh, and understand who who these players are, understand the game at a greater level. Um, well, I think that is probably going to wrap up the first part of this podcast. So um, we'll just take a short break. And we'll be right back to talk about these standings, performance rankings, and players of the month. Okay, uh, welcome back. So... Joining us still is Juha Antikainen, and um, we're going to talk about the current standings. Now, as it stands today, we're, we're only a few days away from the end of the season, so it's it's do-or-die time for some of the teams. Um, some teams have already secured their place in the postseason. No surprises, Jornsu... Sokamo, Vimpeli, and uh, Gorwa. But uh, Kite as well uh, are now secured a place in the postseason and currently sitting fifth in the table. Um, Ron, I know you, I always say this, you're always, <laughs> you're a big Vimpeli fan and you've been watching the games closely. They've overtaken KPL um, in the table now. Uh, do you think things are really starting to come together? for Project Vimpelli this year. So um, I want to state for all the fans listening at home that while I root for Vimpelli on this show, I am a neutral actor, a neutral guy on this show. When the show is over, I'm not so neutral. Um, I, I, Vimpelli fans across the board, and the last time we recorded this, I talked about how you, we kind of get accustomed to them being good and somebody I've 
talked to on Twitter about Vimpoli stuff, and she's a woman, and she's younger, and she's like, I'm just not used to Vimpoli being bad. She's like, I grew up when they were winning titles in my teens, and so this is this is the worst they've ever been in my life, and I'm laughing. I'm like, oh my goodness, how adorable. <laughs> and mind you, I didn't grow up with them, so like I only know the second hand, but I've talked to people who lived through the 90s and the early 2000s when this team got relegated and stuff, and so anyway, um, it's been really fun to watch them come together. It's been very impressive to see them, um, to see that in any given day, that team, if they need three runs, they get four. If they need, if they need, if they, sometimes they just blow you out in the first set, in the first half, and then, you know, come back in the second half and do the same thing. They're winning every kind of way, and they weren't doing that early in the season. Early in the year, it seemed like nobody knew how to hit the ball. Um, you know, Pertu Riska's trying to figure out how to pitch. Um, and be, be more effective at that. Every day he gets more confident um, in that to the point where now you like, oh, he's been doing this his whole career, right? Um, so it's been really fun to see them. I think they're a formidable team. Nobody wants to play them in the playoffs. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they match up against. But I mean, obviously the top of the league is tough, and I don't think it's going to be any nights off for them at all to get into a semifinal or something like that or a final provided they can get there. I don't think it's a walkover in any way. But I think that for Vimpoli fans, you have to be really, really excited about the direction of the team and what they've done. But also, I think, to be honest, you want to see them steal one this year because you just don't know what's going to happen next season. You just don't know how things are going to go. And so having a team play this well for this long, you just hope they can play out for a couple more weeks at this level because if they do, no one's beating them. And we've we've talked about the sort of up and downs uh, the season. Um, Hervinka are now back into the top eight. They're currently um, sixth. I know... Miko, you and I had a, a bit of a discussion about what some of the problems were there in the last podcast. Do you think things are starting to get back on track for them or are the wheels going to come off if they reach the postseason? Yeah, I think this, things are starting to come together. But but still, there's some things... I mean, for example, today I, I watched them play against Stey Naoki. Where, where they actually got uh, very important three points. And uh, I mean, the big thing is that now it seems that most of the time they know how to defend. I mean, their outfield is, is like, let's just say that they have been able to fill some of the gaps that they had over there. And obviously getting all the players healthy helps a lot, but but it's still very much a work in progress. I mean, there, for example, Juha Korhonen, the, the, maybe the most notorious hard hitter of the game, he's only shown glimpses of what he can do this season. And uh, for example, today he was uh, 0 for 6 uh, for like trying to get the, the, the runner home. Okay, everybody has a bad day occasionally and stuff like that, but he, he hasn't reached the level that he's capable of. I think that at the moment, they they are the sixth best team uh, in, in Superpasis, but still, it's hard for me to see them as a big threat to top four teams and such such things like that but because uh, for example Vimpali went there to their backyard and disarmed them completely uh, to, I just gotta mention this one anecdote about it because uh, the next day there was this catch from Jere Wikström was uh, uh, 
spread around the social media uh, that Beretto Ruska hit, hit, hit the ball and Wikström caught it uh, on the second base side. And uh, our, our guys from the Nepal national team uh, were, sp- like, they were discussing that catch and spreading it in our group chat and stuff like that. And uh, Jere, Jere is a friend of mine and I sent him a screenshot about it that they're discussing this and uh, he just <laughs> he just said that okay that here's a here's a pro tip for for the guys in Nepal that uh, if you give away 10 runs uh, in the previous game you're gonna be pretty sure that you get the deciding hit coming your way in the next game so that's that's been the case of their season so far that it's been ups and downs and speaking of ups and downs, there's perhaps one team that that's had a lot more downs than ups, and that's Partizan uh, Orheliat. Um, they're they're struggling. They they really shouldn't be at ninth in the table, and yet that's where they find themselves at the moment. Um, they've only had one win where they've taken three points all season. They're the the only other team who's only had three points from a win is Siliarvi. And you know you've got to feel for them that the things are not clicking for them they've they've not found their stride they've not put games to bed and won them in the way that they should have been doing and now they're scrambling trying to make it into that top eight um you have Mansa have been a pretty interesting team to watch this year they've been quite feisty. I've found um, quite exciting uh, team. I think they're they're mathematically still in with a chance of reaching uh, the top eight. Um, but has there been any other teams so far where they sit in the table you think uh, it could reach in the to the top eight? So at ninth at the moment it's Patioin, then Campelle and Koskan uh, Korva. Yeah, I think uh, Mansa's uh, season has been a, uh, in one way, it has been quite good season because there is uh, uh, young players like uh, Petteri Alanen, Jasperi Luoma, uh, maybe Konsta Lehtola, that they have, uh, uh, Timo Torppa, that they have, uh, they have teach what Superpesis is and they are ready for the next season uh, in that way. So uh, for Tampere, I think. Uh, Playoff uh, sports would have been a, a top performance, uh, but you you have to remember that uh, la- last year they were in Ukkospesis and this is the first year uh, there hasn't been a team uh, since uh, I think uh, Kaisaniemi, which which was totally both te- uh, uh, like a money team that has been in the playoffs. Uh, so Mikko will correct me in a, in a moment, but uh, uh, in this way, always when you build up the team, you have to think uh, for Tampere, I would be thinking for the year 22 or 23, uh, where the success would be. So you need to think that who do you have now that can play in the 22 or 23 for the medals, not for the 21 or in that way. So you can't buy success in this game. So in that way, Tampere's season is good. Uh, in one way, it's good, but it's interesting uh, because uh, tomorrow there will be there will be a game between uh, 
Patioki and uh, Kempele. And that will be probably mm. the deciding game for the last playoff spot, depending will Joensu play uh, full, uh, with full throttle with the last games with the Imatra. But if they will play, that means that tomorrow is a quite big day. Well, IPV um, took a big win today uh, against uh, Kite, uh, taking the three points. Uh, and as you say, that they've got their final two games uh, are against Yonsu. And Yonsu are a team that have only lost two games this season. But one of them was to IPV, and that was the opener. So, like you say, you know, they, they, they could consider resting a few players, rotating a few players uh, for the postseason. I can't see them slipping into second or even third place in the table, Yonsu. So, they might do that. It, it's, it's an interesting... Um, it's an interesting schedule that, that that's coming up. Um, one of the things that I look at on on the blog is uh, performance rankings week on week, um, and I basically look at you know which teams are, are performing well and which ones are not. Um, Yonsu have been constantly towards the top end of these performance rankings. The only reason they're starting to tumble down a little bit now is because you expect them to win every game against whoever they're playing. They're still on this winning streak. Um, who knows if or when that will end. Two weeks back, Hervinka uh, finished top of my performance rankings, which was a complete surprise for me. But the last three weeks, uh, Patioin have, have dropped down even further into the performance rankings, um, even below Mansa week on week. One of the things that um, I've noticed in the last few weeks is is how Senioki seem to have gone off the rails a little bit. Um, they look to me comfortably in fifth place, and now they're they're slipping. They they lost that to, to Kite. They lost today to Hovenka, and Hovenka have now overtaken them in the table. Um, Mika, what what's going wrong for Senioki? Well. I think that when you watch the team, uh, and th- that's the reason why I wanted to watch their game today was to get like more confirmation or or more feeling about the like the general atmosphere of of how they play, how they are performing and stuff like that. Uh, okay, it's visible to, that the key players are playing. With injuries, that's for sure. Uh, for example, the pitcher uh, Henry Davalo will not be at one hundred percent this season. That's for sure after the injury, but he has to play because the stakes are so high at this point. And there's a couple of other guys who are also playing with injuries and tactically they they are struggling with the fact that they don't have runners. They 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 lack runners at the point at the moment because of those injuries and uh but but the more worrying thing for them is that it's it's really anemic it's like lethargic if i would use the word like that i mean it's like there there's no fight in what they're doing yukapakavanyamba is carrying that team uh on his shoulders to be honest 
he's he's hitting the runs and he's getting like uh, he he's getting all the uh, trust that he needs to have that's for sure but he's the only one who's performing actually and the the rest of the team are just like uh, nobody stands out to be honest and that that was disappointing for me and they they are not bad on the outfield but it's worrying to me that with that kind of material they are struggling to find solutions to create runs and that's that's really surprising and uh, at this point i wouldn't be surprised to see them slip out even even out of the playoffs well <laughs> i think uh, it would be it'd be quite interesting if if that did happen just from a a sporting perspective obviously not if uh, if somebody's a senior fan but um yeah it, it it's difficult to see where somebody else in the team is is going to stand up you you talk about um Senioki not having enough good runners. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the table, the the, um, the statistics for runs, and their runners are their lead runners are 16th and 17th in the league. And when you look at uh, runs batted in, you've got to go a long way down in the table to find somebody after Yokopeka. Um, you're down at um, 31st for the next one. So, you know, like you say, Mikko, he really is carrying the team, despite the fact he's leading the league in runs batted in, which we were talking about Patrick Walston last month, doing the same thing for Koskan Korva. Um, it's not doing Senioki many favours either. Yeah, I mean, just as a quick note, because run... Ron mentioned Bimbeli and uh, their general atmosphere and the enthusiasm. And it's like, when you watch that team, they're lo- like local rival, not exactly local, but anyway, Seinayoki. And if you compare compare that with Bimbeli that, that I watched earlier this week, it's like night and day. I mean, the the atmosphere around the Bimpeli was that at the start of the season, I didn't believe in them at all. It was like that they, they are just uh, putting young guys into these responsible spots for this season and they're growing them up and let's see what happens next season. But now I'm also starting to like, uh, I raised my eyebrows a couple of weeks ago about them and like the last game that I saw from them, that was the kind of confidence that I'm amused in seeing Vimpeli uh, with. So it's uh, I, I believe in them, but my, I mean my trust in Senayoki is vanishing. Well, Vimpeli in my performance rankings have been so-so towards the top end, but last week they they blew everything away. Uh, and it was really that big win over KPL that uh, made that calculation happen. Um, you have, have you uh, seen much of Impelli this season? Yeah, uh, some of the some of the games, yeah, and also also Kovala. So I think there is uh, two teams that has a different kind of curve in their in their game. So uh, I'm a little bit concer- concerned about Kovala's game, Kovala's game in the late weeks and. Uh, as uh, Mikko said about the 
enthusiasm in uh, in Vimpeli's game, it's getting it's getting better. And uh, I think it started when uh, Mikko Kanala was injured, so uh, there was a lot of shoulders to carry the weight uh, during that time. And the young boys grow up in those weeks, so it has been a better team after that. And now Mikko Mikko is back from the injury, so it means that uh, the team is uh, even better now. And it is interesting, as you say, about KPL, because there's a lot of big names on that uh, lineup. Um, you know, they, they really went to town in the off-season signing Jari Dahlstrom. They have Tony Kohonen. Um, so, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of people there. And, of course, all the regulars that they had before that are, are, are solid players anyway. There's a lot of experience and watching the the Vimpley game last week made me almost think, well, experience versus youth and energy almost. And, and, and they seem to have the energy to carry them over the line against KPL. Do you think KPL are a bit uh, a bit tired towards the end of what's been a, a quite a, a compacted season? And they are, they are, in this moment, I think they are a little bit uh, vulnerable about the speed because uh, their first runner, Tommy Bantausta, is, is uh, lacking a little bit, little bit in the percentage uh, into getting to the field. So, uh, and then Tauko is a little bit uh, injured with the feet uh, day out, day in. So it means that the young ones, Sandri Lepven, and they had to carry up the uh, running load. So it's a hard question for Koval. Can they carry that uh, responsibility? Because uh, I'm not sure if the older players are ready for, for the running game also, except for Juho Haklin, who is always ready. Yeah. At this point, I want to talk about our players for the month. Uh, and so I'm going to turn back back to yourself, Juha. Uh, as our guest, is there a player that has really stood out for you this August? Uh, well, as I uh, am from Tampere, I, will to, I want to uh, raise up one player uh, who is Timo Torppa, uh, who is playing with the 70 per, uh, percentage. And uh, it's his first season as the, one of the most demanding roles in a, in a Pesa Pallo. So I think uh, uh, he would be my, my favourite, but because I'm from Tampere, I have to uh, choose, uh, I probably go to Joensu and uh, pick up uh, uh, Topi Hurskainen over there because he, he is playing awesome, awesome game as a uh, changer from first base to second base and ha- has a solid season. And from the uh, women's side, I would say that uh, uh, Virpi Hukka has been playing a constant year. He has been a very good player all over year, but for for the last month or a month and a half, uh, Emma Körke has been the probably the most valuable player for uh, her team also. So two choices, one for the women and one for the men. <laughs> Thanks, Juha. Well, Ron, um, I'm going to turn to you next. I suspect that we've heard one of the names that you may be picking for uh, for your player of the month. Who's your pick? Wrong. Although, you know what? Shout out to Virpi Hukka. She's had a hell of a year. It's been fun watching her play. She's out there. She's just, she's just, she's, she's a, she's a lethal hitter. 
Um, I could name I told you I like to rep for the ladies on the show. Got lots of dudes I like watching. I've enjoyed watching. This has been a good year because of the lack of sports. I'm watching a lot of like you know, I've been this is the first year where I've like really gotten into the box scores and like I don't know what the finish word for box score is, but in English we call them box scores. But I'm really getting into all the different game results of all the different teams and even games I don't get to watch. It's kind of nice where I live because the games are on early enough that I wake up and I'm working and the TV's right there. So I can have a game on and see different games. And sometimes I'll just change from one game to another, men's game, women's game. But the women's league I've just enjoyed watching. I've watched way more uh, Super Paces this year than any other year. Um, and, and I think since the end of the season and it's playoffs in women's league, um, I really have to give a shout out to Emma Corkle, who's had a monster year, eight home runs, which I don't know what the single season record for home runs is, but that's a lot of home runs. Um, like, that's just gross. And so um, she just had a really good year. She had a game where she hit two, um, like, I think twice this season. Um, just a real, like, I mean, drag dragging that team to wins. Um, and so I just, to see a player that dominant, in the in the in any game, men's or women's game, to me was really really cool. And so I think you talk about a body of work. There are players you could name all season long. You know, Jill Lapisto has had a great year, even though she's only played 15 games. Um, you know, Paulina Harrington, um, just so many different players I could name. But I think for me, it's going to be Emma Corco for sure because what what a, what a power bat to have in your lineup. If she wants to come to Vimpoli and play off season, we take her right now, <laughs> handily, hands down. Well. Uh, it's interesting, uh, Emma Kirka. She, I was going going over her her stats from the different games, and she was a major player when uh, she annihilated Yonsu, uh, the, the women's team, nineteen uh, one in the first yakso and seventeen nil in the second. It's it's almost cricket scores. This guy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, three Cornea Yokso home runs, ten RBI in total, ten runs. I mean, it's there are teams that don't make that in a in a game, you know, week in week out. She's she's a team in one. That's what I mean. It's just like a player to be that dominant. For the people who are listening, you know, you're like you you're casual, like you get into this. Maybe you've seen it a few times. Understand that, and I think, and this is a base baseball fan. And Pacers, you don't. I mean, obviously, guys have impact, and different players have impact. But I think it's just more of a team game in general. Um, so you're not looking for like, okay, it's the bottom of the ninth that I want. I mean, Joker is sure, but you don't, you're not looking for like Barry Bonds to come to the plate and hit a home. That's just not how this game works for the most part. And so to have a player have that kind of Bonds like experience, which is what Emma Corco was like, if you want to know, that's, that's, that's it. She played, she was Barry Bonds this season in terms of her impact on games and where you're like, okay, well, I guess we're just going to, she's going to give up, we're going to give up home run to her. So I just want to contextualize that for the fans who, who know baseball, but maybe don't know his paces as well, because that's how dominant she was. And uh, Miko, who's your pick for player of the month? Well, actually, before I go into that, I would just uh, like to highlight the fact that uh, I think Gurke was, once again, uh, she was in top 10 in all three major categories that we use in statistics for batting and running and moving the point runner and RBI's hit and stuff like that. So it, it shows that we're talking about a unique player, but I think that, um, I, I just think that when you mentioned the cricket scores, I, I, I already mentioned it on Twitter that uh, when I was, uh, when I was the, the game manager for a young team that, and we went to play against Juvascula at their prime. 
I think the scoreline was about the same. Not maybe not as much, but it was something like fifteen love, fifteen love, so fifteen nil, or so on. And it's it just like uh, the presence of that this player. She was called Nieminen back then before she got married. But anyway, the her presence in the game, also on the outfield, is such that she actually guides the whole movement of three or four players around her. And when you realize that as the opposing game manager, and you realize that you do have potential young players, for example, I had the uh, Salinen sisters, uh, Senni Salinen, Emma Salinen, playing as 19, 20 year olds uh, in, in my team. But w- when you realize that this player is like, the, she's five years ahead of them, and she reads the game, she knows all their moves, and she knows the game through and through. And when she decided to go on with her playing career, uh, well, that's the number one reason why they won the regular season, for starters. But uh, but also uh, about uh, Upi's pick, uh, Timo Torpa, it was... I need to say that I, I knew the player by name when I came to Tampere last year. And Torpa was a 25-year-old uh, playing in Ykköspesis. And I remember that after the, like, before our actual season season began, we were discussing with um, Mika Kulmala, who was the game manager in the team. And I was just asking them, what the, what the hell is this guy doing playing in Ykköspesis? That it's like, he's so explosive. He has all the attributes that you could, ever imagined that are suitable to superpasses and it's it hasn't been I've been really delighted to see him do so well in in that role but uh, but okay Uh, my player of the month to be honest this is more of a team (laughs) trophy or something like that is Mikko Kempanen from Joensuun Maila and uh, I mean the reason is pretty simple uh, when he has been in the lineup, Joensuu hasn't lost a single game this season. He's 18 and 0. And he's the player that they move around the field to wherever he's needed the most uh, for tactical purposes. Where, where you think that the opposing team is able to put pressure. Where you need somebody you can rely on. Uh, in reading the game and actually performing under pressure. Uh, he's he's the first guy to the system that Joensu has developed to their outfield. He's even more important to that system than Thomas Jussila was or Juha Puhtimäki even is, like, as a system. And there was just, a, he gave a big interview to the local newspaper just a couple of uh, days ago and uh, it, I mean I really admire him he's a he's, he's a great guy uh, outside the outside the field and he's just so um, I really love his attitude that when the reporter uh, started that interview by saying that okay the team is 18 and oh when you were when you have been playing and so on and he interrupted he said that okay do you mean that it's because of me it's not 
and that's that's his way of handling the, that's it's if that if you're gonna take that uh forget about it it's not because of me it's because of the team and he's not on any social media and and he will never be on any social media uh, he's just he just uh lives a quiet life and enjoys having a like gold medal after the season hang <laughs> some some silverware hanging hanging over there so uh, that that's my choice uh he's the reason that they can go far this season too it'll be interesting to see if they rest him against one of the two or both of the ipv games well, they will uh, they will ipv could even win <laughs> they they will definitely do that but uh just as a as a quick note about that uh I don't think that in this kind of a season, when you have the playoff series of best out of three, I don't think you have the luxury of actually switching off just before the playoffs. It's and the other thing is that they have they have created a system where the younger players they are playing in the Ukkospasis playoffs with Kuopio, and they are also in the first time in Joensuumaalas history. Both uh, boys and girls are in their Superpasis semifinals, so they the younger guys and they are also playing important games of their own. So they're not gonna rotate like any more than is absolutely necessary. But but yeah, players like uh, Mikko Kempan and Antti Hartikainen who was rested today, they they will be rested for sure. Well, my player of the month is uh, Bertu Ruska of Vimpoli. Um, I just think this month he's he's really been that key figure for Vimpoli's success. And seeing him take that role of uh, pitcher and, and really grow into it has been quite extraordinary throughout the season. And like I was talking about before the uh, the KPL game, um, it, it was really interesting to see how how strong he's become in that role. Um, so I, I think he he's been fantastic this month. You know, three Kuniyuk, so twenty three RBI in total, and and seventy successful hits. He's leading the league in successful hits at, at the moment as well. So that that's my player for August. Um, you had? Do you have a, a thought on that? Well, uh, what I, I think about Perto is uh, that uh, uh, he has to learn about the about the pitching. Uh, he has to learn how to control the game in the outfield. So when he gets uh, that going, Wimpley will be strong. But it, he has still something to learn about that place and how to control the game. But. Uh, uh, his confidence is growing up. You can see how he how he moves in the game and how he how he celebrates the outfield outfield uh, throws or the outs that he makes. He's getting the hang of it. But uh, I'm not sure if this is the year yet. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I gotta add that it would be really funny for the first year he turns into a pitcher. They go around and mess around and accidentally win a championship. The bar will be set too high. <laughs> you kind of don't want him to do it because you'll be like, "What do you mean we didn't win again? You won it your first year. What are you doing?" 
But I like that it also hasn't affected his hitting much. He's still hitting the ball. Like, he's still as good as he was the Joker, like winning games single-handedly for Vimpley. And, and I think that that's been really nice to see um, because I think, you know, there was maybe a little bit of thought that, well, he's pitching now. Will he be as good at doing both? And it seems like he's been able to, to manage that. And obviously, without him and that team, they're, they're not as good as they are, right? Like, he's clearly the heartbeat of that team. Wherever he goes, they go. So, yeah, I think it's a really good pick. But it'll be interesting to see, like you said, what his ceiling is because he still doesn't have the – Right, he's still figuring the job, still learning the job, learning on the job. We'd say. I I think that if we take a look at purely uh, from from the viewpoint of level of play during the last month or so, he he may well be the best player that has been in the league, uh, or at least among them. But I I think the two things are very much worth mentioning. Uh, when we talk about Bertoruska, first is his incredible Pesapalo IQ. I mean, he's for a young guy. For example, when he is at bat, he doesn't make, he, he rarely ever makes a stupid decision. I mean, sometimes it, obviously it doesn't go right, but but the thought is always, it's excellent. And, and for this kind of a game where the tactical requirements are so high that's astonishing uh, and the other thing that I was just talking about with uh, a couple of friends of mine that we were talking about that which hitters when they come to bat which hitters create the kind of um, feeling that they they will score that they will hit a run and there's two of them right now in the in the game for me, uh, and those are Jukka Pekka and Perturuska. Maybe to some extent Alexi Rautianen nowadays when, when the season is going further, but but those two. When Ruska comes to hit, it's like my it's like yeah, he's gonna he's gonna hit a run. Well, that'll wrap up our second part of the show, so we're gonna take a short break and be back with the news. Okay, uh, welcome back. So, the biggest story, really, is who's going to make the playoffs. We're only a few games away. And sort of going back to one of the points we were talking about earlier, I'm looking at the, the schedules for Patio in Koskan Korva and uh, Kempele. And I'm trying to figure out which of those three I think has the best shot of overtaking uh, Imatra into eighth. Interestingly, Koskun Korva and Kempeli have the same three opponents in their last three games. Vimpoli, you'd expect Vimpoli to beat both of those teams, but you never know. Uh, Siliarvi and Patti Owen as well. So for me, I, I think it's in Patti Owen's hands. It's up to them. If they can perform and beat compelling Koskan Korva, then they've got a good chance of reaching that eighth place. But if, if they blow it, then then that's it. That's their season over. Um, what, what's your take on that, Miko? 
Well, I think that if they don't get the key players healthy, their season is over anyway. Because be- before the start of the season, I thought that they would be one of the major threats in the later season, later stages of the season. But uh, now I've had to change my opinion completely because not only because of injuries, but because of the the level of their game is like I. I it's even hard to describe it with one word, but it's frustrating. I think it fr- it's frustrating to watch, and you can sense the frustration of the team. They know that they are not performing at the level. You can see it in the body language, and uh, if they get into the top eight, which at this point I really much doubt they will but even if they will they will get out of the playoffs uh immediately in two games yeah well it's interesting you talk about the predictions um i'm not i'm not going to say where i thought that they might finish at uh, the beginning of the season but um that isn't going to happen now uh, it, it really has been quite a shocking uh, turn of events for them. Probably the biggest negative um, shock that I've I've seen this season. Um, well, yeah, I I need to add that uh, when I did the season previews for our national betting company and we did the odds for winning the championship, both me and the company because we we put Patioki into third place in in rankings. And with the third lowest odds for winning the championship at like eight to one, and something like that. And for example, Kite was uh, hundred and fifty to one. So that that says something. We said in the first podcast it was going to be a weird season. We said it. We all said this is going to be an upside down season. Things are going to be weird. We don't know what's going to happen. Things expect the unexpected. Teams who don't expect to do well are going to do well. And I think we're seeing that now. Like we're seeing the manifestation of what we talked about at the beginning of the year. And it's like, oh, we were right. We just weren't right about the right things. But agreed. Yeah, this is a season where everybody's right. right. <laughs> And uh, you have, out of those those three, who do you think's got the best shot of overtaking uh, IPV into eighth? Uh, Patu, uh, Koskan Korva, or Kempele? So uh, I think uh, we have to uh, think about uh, uh, Seinejoki's uh, last games because uh, I think there will be a, uh, they have a tough, uh, tough uh, games with Sotkamo and Kovala. Uh, they have, they have. Uh, Sotkama Kovala will need the, need the points because the the home advantage in the semifinals is uh, very very interesting for those teams. So it means that Seinäjoki is probably not getting so much of points. And then Imatra, uh, it means that uh, okay, Joensu two times. It means that uh, probably there is not so much of odds for the points. So it means that uh, Raha Kempele and Koskin Korva. Uh, if they can get uh, uh, two wins and one point, so probably uh, there will be chance for uh, getting uh, those both teams, Seinäjoki and Imatra, eliminated. And uh, deciding about uh, Patioki, uh, Patioki with Kempele and Patioki with uh, Koskin Korva, 
those uh, I think those games will decide. Well, they are going to decide, but uh, uh, Koskinkorva will have a good chance in the last game to get get to the playoffs, probably if they can make a miracle in Wimbledon. Well, it's interesting you talk about uh, Sotkarma really wanting to put the performance in now to make sure they get that home advantage and, and presumably as well so that they can choose a, an easier opponent in the first round. Um, I, I watched some of the um, Siliarvi game today. It was like target practice. They were really going for it. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how they play out the last few games that they have. Um, Ron, what do you think of, the, of those three? Um, Patu, Koskinkorva, and Campelli. The problem is, is I th- what's funny about even like uh, is Rahe's only won one three point game all season. Like, so yeah. I mean, you, you're like that's like backdooring your way into a postseason, but they've won eight games to two points. Um, Campelli is, you know, had a start, had a hot start, but it's kind of been very upside, upside down. And so I think it's, I mean, really the issue here is, is, does it matter? Like, do you think any of those teams are going to get out of the first round? No. So in a year, that's kind of a rebuilding year. If anything, if you're those teams, you want to make it into the postseason because I think it's a chance for players to get more games and for, you know, young guys to get to play and, you know, to give your fans something to cheer about and, you know, all that. But I mean, realistically, I think given how sort of upside ups, upside down uneven those teams have been all year, uh, it, I just I don't really know. Like, I mean, I think that obviously if I'm the team at the top, I'm excited about it because, you know, if, if the men were doing what the women did and were picking, <laughs> you'd be like, I want them. Give me that team. Yeah, I'll, I'll play them in a three game series. That sounds great. So I think really is, you know, half a dozen one or the other, to be honest. And in other news, um we saw Sami Partanen uh, reach 600-plus Super Pesis games. He's, he's had quite a career behind him, and he's still going strong uh, for Imatra. Um, Mika, what do you make of uh, Sami's career so far? Well, he's one of my favourite characters in the whole sport, that's, that's for sure. And, uh, I mean, he's a couple of years older than me and played most of his career in Kite and uh, also after, I mean at the later stages of his playing career he was coaching their uh, like boys superpasses team and doing a, an excellent job and I, I have had the privilege of seeing him like uh, teach young players and he I, I think that he's one of the best readers of the game that I have ever seen that's for sure and there, there was also, I mean, uh, when I played in Joensuu, uh, I always remember that for when we when we speak about Paratanen, is that we were talking about a specific situation and a solution uh, for someone at bat. And uh, I don't remember who it was, but one of our players was thinking that he will fool Paratanen uh, to go one way and like then then hit it the other way and uh, one of our, our more experienced players Janne Monni who played in the championship winning sides of Kite with uh, with Paratanen said that listen if your best option in any situation in the game is to try outplay Paratanen 
think everything from the start again. Because that's not the way to play this game. That's the hardest thing you can do. And that I, I have found out that, okay, that's true. That <laughs> every time I've tried to do that as a player or as a game manager, it's always like he's always that one step ahead. So it's fantastic career and a fantastic guy. Well, the memory I have of his games this season, the one that really stands out to me is that opening game at Karubi uh, in Yoensum and they played the field deep to him um was it in the the scoring contest i think it was yeah it was yeah and um yeah uh, you know what i'm going to say <laughs> and and he, he he did that short bunt hit and just that was it there's no stopping this the runners coming in, coming home uh, and that was that, that was it the game's pretty much over for Yoensum then um and I just, I just clicked. I thought, yeah, that's that's Sami Barton and all over. You know, like you say, Miko, if if your game plan is to outthink him or to yeah. fox him in some way, yeah, you need a new game plan. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, I mean, he he was the kind of player that for the, how should I say it? He was a player for the social media age before there was even social media that everything he does on the field is like it's it's already it's tailor-made for for this day and age but uh, so he's uh, he's a great ambassador for the game but uh, I was listening today to, uh, about the broadcaster when there was a interview with Kite and they were talking about the uh, late 90s what they were doing because they had the uh, well their golden age and uh, uh, I remember as I was a junior and uh, Sami is the same age as I am. So we were talking in that days that, okay, Sami, Sami Partan and Mikko Varanen, they are playing 100 games in a year. So that's a, yeah. uh, with the, all the juniors and adult teams and all in one, in one summer, you have 100 games that they are crazy. But uh, today they talk about this, that uh, during that day, they changed the kit mentality about how to be a, athlete how to be a sportsman so they started from there and now you can see the result in these 20 years yeah. but uh, for me uh, Sami has been the most entertaining player in Super Pesis because all the celebration and uh, because a tiny man uh, showing showing uh, he's a giant but uh, yeah. I, I think uh, what is the most uh, this kind of uh, sport romantic thing is that uh, he developed his game I think it was with Mikko Huatari in the when yeah. Mikko came to Kite and uh, he said to Sami that hey you can be the one of the best uh, uh, hitting players also he, he has been always regard, recognized as an outfield player in the front field yeah. but now he's playing a very uh, good and uh, a surprising game as a number four and in the 40s and he has developed it in the when he was uh, like uh, 32 or something one of the other stories that we've seen this month perhaps not so glamorous um was involving Siliarvi. they had an ineligible player in fact pretty much for most of the season um miko how, how does something like that happen 
Well, there's uh, there's many ways to. Fortunately, there's many ways to make that possible, because the the system is not that complicated. It's most of the time we're just talking about a human error. Humans is nothing more than that. But obviously, when we're talking about the uh, highest level of the game, well, this is. These kind of things are obviously not the publicity that uh, the the sport would like to see, like in the headlines or so. But uh, to be honest, I don't. I haven't been even digging into the details of who who made the mistake or so on or so on. But but I'm just uh, well. Hopefully, it it doesn't affect the results in the in the board uh, later on but but it's unfortunate uh, and I will say that uh, sorry uh, I would say that uh, it's a uh, it's the uh, lack of our system in a technical way uh, I think that those those kind of errors are due to that that our uh, this kind of uh, transfer system uh, needs to be made with hand uh, or handwork, so it means that if it, if it works well, it should be in that way that uh, when you put a lineup for the team, uh, uh, the computer will tell that hey, these are the eligible players, and you don't have the license for this player, don't put him. So it would be like a yeah. before the game, and now we are just uh, randomly checking after the game that are these all huge. So I think we can. Uh, make it better in technical way in two years but uh, uh, before that I think uh, these things will happen and uh, that's a that's just a one paper going in the wrong post mail so it can happen and Miko you you mentioned hopefully it won't have had an effect on on the table itself the impact of the game sorry the impact of the um, the error was to hand three points to Koskun Korva. And it, it's, it's really difficult if you're a Siliarfi uh, fan to see a game that they, they comprehensively beat Koskun Korva to then hand three points over. And, and now Koskun Korva borderline possibly may make the postseason. So, it, it, it would be unfortunate if they make it because of those three points, but we'll have to wait and see uh, how those things play out. Well, I want to thank uh, my special guest, Juha uh, Antikainen, for joining us on the podcast. It's been a great pleasure having you and having some insights uh with your career as well. Oh, thank you very much for having me, and uh, thank you for this show. It's uh, it's uh, really refreshing to hear, to listen to this show. Not for me, but the, the other parts. <laughs> and of course, I, I want to uh, thank my I want to thank my co-hosts, uh, Mikko Pironen. Thank you. It was a pleasure as always. It's uh, it's refreshing for me to to uh, get to speak about this game in English like this. And my other co-host, of course, Ron Bronson. Thanks a lot. Thanks as always. Good to, good to be on the show. So if you want to know more about uh, 
Superpesis or Pespalo, uh, you can visit my blog. That's superpesisroundup.blogspot.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at superpesisr. Please like or subscribe the podcast. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. But from me, Ian Alba, see you next time. That's hidden far away Don't be afraid